This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, I'm very happy to be joined by Andrew Robinson, CEO of Skyward Specialty Insurance. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Andrew. It's, it's great to have you joining us today and really interested to hear a lot about your background and the, the great work that you're doing there at Skyward Specialty. Um, before we go into the main body of our questions today, I was just wondering if you could share with us a little bit more about your background and your story and then some of the work you're now doing there at Skyward Specialty. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. And uh... Yeah, you know, my background, uh, graduated from university with an engineering degree uh, and uh, discovered I really didn't want to go into engineering. And so found my way into uh, into management consulting uh, right out of university and spent 20 years um, doing some really interesting things, ultimately um, uh, becoming the global insurance head for a company called Diamond. And that included, uh, you know, moving to London and opening up uh, operations there, Diamond was uh, was subsequently acquired by PwC as PwC re-entered um, the consulting uh, business. And I left management consulting after after twenty years. It was a phenomenal experience for me, uh, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to focus on the the corporate side. I turned down an offer to go work for uh, my largest client and the company's largest client to join a company called Hanover Insurance Group, which at the time was a relatively smallish, uh, quite broken property and casualty insurance company and joined up with the CEO and was a central figure in, in remaking that company over the course of 11 years, which amongst other things included a very bold acquisition of Chaucer, you know, which, yep. which is a billion and a half dollars of, of, of revenue, changed the sort of the, the whole profile and character of, of Hanover. So I was there for 11 years, and uh, after 11 years, I, I changed careers again and spent a little over three years in the world of insurance technology, uh, both on the, the growth equity investing side, as well as uh, actually running one of the portfolio companies for the, the firm that I was part of. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, it was a, that was a great experience. It, it was, it was uh, just different is how I would describe it. But it was clear that where I was going to make my biggest contribution was in an operating capacity. And so I turned my attention to return to that. And, and back in, um, in May, end of May, I was uh, hired as the, the CEO of 
what was then uh, Houston International Insurance Group and and uh, what we have since rebranded as as Skyward Specialty Insurance. So it's it's been about you know five and a half months now and uh, been a, a phenomenal experience. And how has that been during the the five and a half months? I mean, just for our listeners' benefit, we're recording now in in November 2020. So that five and a half months has been right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. How has that been joining as the CEO in, in that time? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I, first of all, I'd say it's been a fantastic experience. I've loved every part of it. I, you know, my vision for why I wanted to do this is uh, is being fulfilled. That said, I, I'm a big believer that um, there is nothing that can prepare a CEO for how to how to lead an organization, you know, uh, during a pandemic when you're when your staff is is distributed and you don't really have the the ordinary mechanisms to 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 you know build the kind of um, culture and engagement that that you'd ordinarily think of. I actually think in my instance, uh, up to this point, it's actually been a been a benefit because. I've, I've overcompensated in the level of engagement with our, our staff, and there's a whole bunch of really great mechanisms that, that we're using around that, um, whether they're actually just their open office hours, open virtual office hours, where anybody can just jump online with me and we can, we can dialogue. Uh, a lot, I'm doing a lot of blogging as I'm dealing with a variety of business issues. So our organization, we're quite a diverse organization gets to see, you know, much of what they ordinarily would see through my blogging and so forth. So there's a lot of interesting things that are going on around engagement. It's been a challenge. It's been a stretch, but I think it's actually, it's forced me to be more attentive to it in a way that otherwise I might've taken it for granted. So, um, so, so far so good. That said, I think like everybody, you know, we're all, we're all sort of tired of, you know, being locked down and so forth. Um, I actually am coming to the office, um, but it, it is, it, you know, you miss the social interaction, the physical social interaction with people. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a point where I can get out and, and, you know, and really meet people, you know, face to face and build relationships at a, at a, you know, kind of a personal level. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I know you've got big, big plans for change at the business. Obviously, the new the new branding for the business as well. Do you think um, coming in at this time has made those big changes and those big plans an easier proposition or do you think it's actually been a hindrance to you i think it's a double-edged sword so the i think i think the the on the positive side you know skyward there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff out there about our brand and and i really think that you know as people get more familiar with why skyward specialty um it's very timely given all the all the things that are happening in the world you know the risks that our, our clients face we have you know, kind of the crystallization of social issues and, and, you know, Skyward is, is, is very much about kind of the, the change of perspective. Right. And so, and I, I think all that's been positive, you know, the flip side is I came in at a time where the company needed to do things to, to improve its performance. And, and we're at a moment in time where the industry obviously is very favorable, you know, on the, on the risk-taking side. And so, you know, we're trying to do so much to make sure that, the things that have not been the performing parts of the business uh, are remedied while simultaneously trying to, to capture the market opportunity. Um, that's that's demanding. And, yeah. you know, there definitely can feel that the organization is, is pushed to its edge. And I personally am, you know, working extremely hard and 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 pushed to the edge, but it it's been it's been exhilarating, right? Because we've made a we've made so much progress in such a short period of time, it, it, at one level, it, it kind of, 
you know, it, it gives you the endorphins, right? Yeah. You need yeah. to go. And, and I think that's true for a lot of our folks. Yeah, it's certainly a good environment for, for change at the moment. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate that that insight. And I'm sure our listeners will really benefit to hear about your background ahead of the questions today. Before we start, though, I do have to ask you, what's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? Oh my goodness, this is this is a little bit embarrassing because I'm 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 an American and I'm I'm actually drinking uh, just straight up uh, you know Starbucks with some cream and that's it. Um, <laughs> I think I, I honestly think that if I had more time, I would I would always I'd always revert to uh, a grande cappuccino with yeah. an extra shot, but that would take like an extra three or four minutes in the morning. And believe it or not, I'm uh, that much time just I've kind of fallen into it. So. That's my go-to. Very embarrassing as an American to say that, but no, no, that's completely understandable. Time is off the essence in the morning, so completely understand. Andrew, I'd like to start off by asking you how you broke into the C-suite and how did you find that transition from your your previous role? It's you know, listen, it's interesting because you know when I broke into the C-suite was during my time at Diamond. Diamond was a publicly traded company at our peak. You know, we had a four billion dollar market cap. Uh, I came to London as a as a as a young man uh, for the second time to open up our international operations, and we made a, a very considerable acquisition of uh, of another another firm that was global, and and some things just started to take root based on sort of the growth of the business, the role that the role and the growth of the business that I was responsible for, and it's just at some point we kind of reformed the management team, and 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 I. I for it formalized my coming into the management committee of of, of Diamond. Uh, so it wasn't kind of one thing; it was just a series of things. But you know, part of that was I I put myself in the center of it. You know, I I went to London uh, for a U.S. company that had no international operations to launch our international operations, and then led the company's acquisition of a company called Cluster Consulting to to create a, a far broader organization. And it was a it was a series of things that transpired that ultimately led me to that. And, I, and it was um, it all it almost didn't feel like it was an event per se, other than the fact I started showing up for management committee meetings. But I had already felt like I was part of the management committee, even though I wasn't showing up to those meetings. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And during that time, and obviously you've progressed now, held various C suite positions, and you're obviously the CEO of Skyward. What what would you say has been your biggest achievement over that time? It's a great question. You know, I'd like to think that my biggest achievements are in front of me, um, and I feel like they are, by the way. I don't know if there's one, but I, I would say, you know, when I went, you know, Diamond was a really interesting company. You know, I grew up inside of Bain and Bain spinoffs and, you know, and, and so forth. And Diamond was a really interesting company. And so I went to London and we built uh, a terrific London-based uh, consulting, high-end consulting business, and probably the most competitive, you know, consulting market in the world. Sure. And um, and I look at like the people that are around um, that were part of our organization. We have a person like Kate Terry who's leading a well-funded insure tech company um, here in the United States. Uh, you know, other folks who are leading major practices at, at Oliver Wyman and you know and elsewhere. A lot of people have gone on to do just just terrific things, and we built a great business, and it was a lot of fun, and it was a culture. This is what sort of gave me the bug to be able to lead something where I could set the culture 
it was it was just we had something that was unique to to us that I I felt that I had created and accumulated some outstanding talent and recruited great people from from some of the best consulting firms who wanted to operate in a different environment yeah. and that was a pretty that was a pretty special achievement point in my life where um, I really I really took full advantage I enjoyed that socially the interpersonal level the environment we created. And the hard work that went into building what was a winning business, um, and that that was really it was ter- it was a terrific experience that spanned six years, um, and, and so it was including including nine. It was during nine eleven, which yeah. which had a very very um, deep impact on you know on the organization as it did with every organization, sure. our organization as well. That successful experience is that something you've tried to bring along with you into the further leadership roles you've had. Yeah, listen, I, I will say, you know, as a as a strategy trained kind of professional, I think culture trumps strategy every day. And and you know, you want I you know, it's true here. We are talent focused um, first. And that's a combination of people who are just great, you know, with lots of upside, but also, you know, people who aren't jerks, right? You know, yeah. you you have to have people who are who are culture builders, you know, that, that, that sort of whole experience was lessons learned, right. You know, building and definitely, definitely take that into this environment. I it's, there's no question about it. That was probably the most formidable part of my executive development where I had lots of trial and failure that, you know, that, that formed so much of what I built, you know, since then. You've had a hugely successful career, Andrew, but has there ever been a time where you've been overlooked for a position or an opportunity and how have you gone about dealing with that? Yeah, I, yeah, there was the most visceral one of all, which is uh, at Hanover. You know, I joined Hanover in 2006, uh, effectively uh, led the building of our domestic specialty businesses from zero to about $800 million dollars. I, you know, I led 11 acquisitions because uh, I, I jointly wore the title of, of head of corporate development and changed the face, the face of the company with the acquisition of Chaucer, which was a massively accretive transaction. And in uh, 2016, we went through uh, a succession process. Fred Eppinger, the CEO, uh, retired. We went through a succession process. There were two internal candidates and the board went to the outside. and. And so, you know, clearly uh, the view that I wasn't uh, the right person or wasn't fully ready to take on that that role and how I dealt with it, um, just just to answer the part two, is that I personally was fully ready to to stay at Hanover, you know, for, you know, for another period of time to continue to develop in the business. But I wanted to work for somebody who um, I could learn from, who I, I, I felt would be additive to my own development and uh, the person they hired in was not a person that I I, I viewed that way, and so uh, I left the company. And uh, it's really just that simple. And by the way, that mm-hmm. that person that they had hired in has, has subsequently uh, also departed from Hanover. So maybe my assessment wasn't the only one like that. And and so you know it, it was it was a blow, but it wasn't something that would have pushed me away from the organization. Mm-hmm. It it had to you know had to do with who I'm working for. And can I learn from them and develop as a professional? 
Thank you for that, Andrew. Really appreciate that honesty and, and that insight. Moving forward now to Skyward Specialty, how are you adapting technology and implementing digital change to help your customers and meet your brokers' expectations? Yeah. So, uh, well, look, I think it's it's uh, one thing just to highlight is that you know I, I did this kind of three plus year off ramp in my career where I, I joined. Uh, a very well thought of uh, venture capital growth equity firm uh, called Oak HCFT stands for healthcare and fintech and, and was focused on insure tech investments. I, I actually led the investment in a company called Claire analytics uh, and led the investment in a company called ground speed analytics that I went in to run supporting the founder for, for about 15 months. Uh, so I've, I've been immersed in very advanced technology. Yeah. Um, and clearly, we're thinking about the role that technology plays for us from a competitive perspective. So the answer to your question, though, is it's not one thing, Nick. It's I think it's a range of things. And I'll, I'll give you an example uh, to bring it to life. So we have a particular captive program that we um, uh, fully administer and we write the access on. But we underwrite everything and we we effectively control who comes into the captive. And it's in, it's in the commercial auto uh, sector. As part of that, we use telematic information to underwrite the risk. So we, we use telematics to determine the, not, not to sort of to price risk per se, but to determine whether the, the, the quality of the drivers is at the level that we require to come into the captive. Nice. And we're actively managing it to provide the feedback to the risk manager. So it's not like, hey, we're going to charge you based on how you drive. It's yeah. a tool that we're using to ensure from a risk management perspective. And, and in that same, in that same, you know, that same program, we have, we require all the participants to give us access to the driver uh, department of transportation information, which is which is very, um, very important information and something you can only get access to if they release the pin to be able to access the information about the drivers and, and you know, things that you don't get through motor vehicle records in the United States here, as an example, is whether drivers been uh, cited for, um, for uh, you know, dr- dr- tire driving, right? So they've been, they've been cited for that. Doesn't hit their MVR record, but it, that citing actually goes in the DOT records. And so um, we use data like that. We use telematics. And that, that's something we do to ensure that those that come into this captive, where there's a shared, you know, there's a shared risk amongst the captive members, um, that they're of the highest quality um, coming in and that they're risk managed along the way. And so that's that's and that's very specific. And since since our proposition as, as Skyward is about, we have this concept of ruling the niche, right? That we yeah. want to be the player in the niches that we're serving. And so the, the the technology that we might use for competitive advantage in one niche may be very different than another niche. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not a blanket solution, is what I what I'll tell you. It's a set of a set of things that we're doing that are very specific. Uh, and I think we're doing it very well as an organization. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. It's a tailored solution specifically for that niche that you're that you're looking to rule. Thank you, Andrew. Looking forward, what are the major challenges that you see ahead for insurance executives, and how do you think they should be adapting to be successful in these times? Boy, that's that's a great that's a great question. So, I think in general, we are probably at at an inflection point on the change in risk. Right? You know, obviously there's there's 
climate-driven, you know, uh, change in, in risk. And I think that, that that's a real challenge because a lot of this is doesn't easily fit into a model-based approach, at least the models that, that we have available to us today. You have new forms of risk like pandemic. You have technological risk that, that you know, that, that's very systemic in, in, you know, in its nature. You have massive areas of underinsured risk like, um, you know, contingent business interruption, supply chain risk, you know, uh, et cetera. And, um, and you're in a world where um, I think the social environment is changing, right? And, and, yeah. and so you kind of weave all that together. You think about how the industry has historically worked, you know, and we have, we have, you know, diversity challenges. We have challenges with the fact that we're a very expensive industry in serving our customers and you have deconstruction, deconstruction of the value chain happening all over the place. Yeah. Whether you're a broker on one hand, uh, who's had, had a very favorable sort of market around you know, cost of debt and the ability to consolidate and build margin that way, you know, or a carrier on, you know, recently with very hard market pricing, you know, I still think it's an incredibly challenging thing. And, and I don't know if there's one answer, right? I, you know, I was asked a question the other day about, you know, how I feel about the Aon Willis merger. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how I feel because the, the, we're in a structural change where the, the brokers are getting larger and larger and we'll, we'll have more power. And part of it is we just have to work within that context, right? So if I personalize it for us, that just means that we have to be even better in what we do, more relevant so that we have a stronger position on the shelf of, of, of distributors who are clearly going to, uh, going to have greater power, right? Similarly, a question was asked about, you know, how do we view Tesla and what they're doing on, on and again, I'm like, it, it just makes us better, right? All you're doing is you just have to look at that and say, the competition is going to be better. And yeah. you have to think about how you're going to respond or elect not to compete in those categories. And, and I just think that that's true. And then you overlay all these changes. Yeah, it's, it's a challenging, fun, um, and probably very different time for anybody anywhere in the insurance industry. And do you think the specialist nature of the risks that you underwrite helps with that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, I think that the size of the company, you know, look, I'd like to say that will be three, five, and then $10 billion and, you know, and, and larger and, and have the issues that a Chubb has or a Travelers has where you already have a share of the market. We don't have anywhere near a share of the market. And so we get to pick and choose where we, where we compete and how we compete. And, yeah. And, and we will, we'll win in, in those areas and we'll create a lot of value for our employees and our shareholders. And we'll have a lot of fun along the way. Um, but uh, it's a different set of issues when you're a billion dollar company versus a $10 billion company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew, we've now reached the time in the show today where listeners will be familiar with our espresso round. So cool, because the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I, I know you like your quick coffee, Starbucks coffee in the morning, but are you ready for an espresso now? I just uh, I just took another 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 drink of coffee to give myself a bit of caffeine. Let's go. Let's go. The espresso round. Andrew, what are the characteristics about Skyward specialty that makes it such a great place to work at? Oh, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's one, uh, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to to the values of our organization. I think they're they're very they're very uh, I think they're unique in many regards in terms of how we how we talk about the company. And you know, I, I would just say instead of kind of re replaying all that, um, I'll just give you kind of you know one 
which is, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're trying to, uh, to do things that I think are unique. And, and one of those is building a bespoke brain trust. And we value that as an organization. And so if you kind of dig into who we are, you know, that's the stuff that's going to make us go and win and create an environment that, that uh, people feel really great about, to be honest. Yeah. Awesome. And, and what opportunities can you provide to those high performing insurance professionals, insurance underwriters, insurance leaders out there who want to progress their career to that next level? Well, this is really interesting. Uh, we, we talk about our values as being great because it's an acronym for our values. And the very first value is uh, of the G is grow personally and professionally. And that we as a company, we're committed to bettering our, ourselves and supporting that spirit in each other and have fun doing it. That's literally the very first value. So uh, what I would just say to you is that we'll live our values. And if we do that, that's why we're, we're that kind of organization for our employees and prospective employees. And what would you say are the, sort of the free skills or the free traits that you look for in your executives there? So uh, look, I, I, I ask our executives to always seek to have context. I think it's worth a lot in terms of uh, your your intelligence and understanding, you know, sort of what's happening. Context in our case is not being focused just on kind of your your area, but but have that broader that broader sort of uh, view of things. That whether that be what's happening from a technological perspective, um, you know, um, attention to diversity, et cetera, et cetera. That broad context is really important. And so you'll find that we're oftentimes distributing information that gives people, um, you know, reading that might not necessarily be in their daily fare as just one, one simple example. So that, I think that's really important. Uh, intellectual curiosity, right? Just, just, yeah. just the willingness to sort of go further and farther and try to understand, you know, why things are happening. And then, and then, and then look, I, I think the most important thing is we're looking for leaders who are really good people who are um, role modeling the reinforce of, of what we value as a company. Right. And, yeah. um, and that's, that's first and foremost, and, and it's, it forms part of their compensation and it forms part of the regular dialogue that, that I seek to have with my leadership team, um, you know, not just as a group, but in terms of our one-on-ones where people are doing, doing that in their sort of their, their daily actions. Yeah. I, I love a uh, role model uh, context there. Aspiring leader for the, leaders of the future to look up to and aspire to i think fantastic that, that certainly helps retaining and, and getting those staff members to grow themselves into those senior positions agreed for sure andrew what do you think is the largest challenge you face when attracting new talent and what what can be the frustrations you have with the recruitment process well, I just i'll reflect on my first five months i i think so far there's been there's been uh sort of three things that that uh, overwhelm, you know, where I find some challenges. First is that when I joined, uh, we uh, we had a negative outlook for our principal rating agency, and we needed to correct that. And and so there was some uncertainty around them, and yeah. I, it has been corrected, but that that formed a barrier. People want to, uh, you know, know that you're, uh, that you have the financial um, and and that we're of a credit quality to, to be able to attract the best business. Um, we got past that. I think the second thing that I'm finding is um, there's a lot of different models out there for great talent. Um, a lot of underwriting talent are going towards MGAs. They see it as a as an opportunity to create tremendous wealth. And so, you know, I, I'm about um, building long term sustainable franchise value, durable value, and and our incentive structure that we've created um, is aligned to that. And so, what you find is in the face of maybe. Uh, propositions out there that are 
appear to be get rich quick schemes, um, you know, you're, you're fighting against that. Uh, and then I think the third thing is, is this, this discipline that I have to force upon ourselves where we see great talent in terms of what they can bring in terms of market access and their technical skills and so forth. But do they really fit with us culturally, right? You know, what you don't want to do is you don't want to overstretch on getting that great talent, but that they don't quite fit with us culturally. And, um, and it's those latter two things that have been really interesting um, in that we, we uh, have had to sort of be disciplined and not, and not do the wrong thing for ourselves over the long term to be able to satisfy ourselves in the near term. Yeah, and that must be very tempting when you're coming completely rebuilding a business like that must be tempting to, to well, get people in quickly so yeah well the a great example is that last week we announced um we announced a new dsdno excess offering um and we did it with the team that we had in place and i was looking at bringing in potentially a great team and in the end they just they didn't fit with our our mm-hmm. our value set they just mm-hmm. they just weren't aligned thank you just to finish off the espresso if there are any insurance executives out there in the united states at the moment considering their next move or the next opportunity, what would be your to them right now? Oh boy. I listen, my, my, my advice, and it's the reason I, I stepped away. Um, what I was doing in the, the insure tech world, uh, go find the place where you're really going to be happy. I mean, really, really be happy. I can tell you, I turned down um, very, very uh, high profile um, uh, inside larger organizations uh, because it really, wasn't what I was looking for. Um, and, uh, and, and was very clear minded about at this point in my career, what I, what I, what would make me happy. And I was, um, unrelenting in, in pursuing that. And I, and I certainly found that and I feel like I've, I've, I'm just in this incredibly wonderful situation at Skyward. Um, and I'm very blessed in that regard. And I, I always, I encourage my kids that way. And I would encourage any executive, who's thinking about their next move, I would encourage them, go, go be honest with yourself about what will make you happy and, and, and pursue it like there's no tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome, Andrew. That, that is great advice. Thank you. We've almost reached the end of our time to uh, coffee house, but before we go, uh, do you have one bit of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about contacting you after? Well, uh, so, uh, one piece of advice, it goes back to something I just mentioned with regards to our, our leadership team. I do say this all the time, context is worth 50 IQ points. So, so, so being able to have a broad perspective will make your, um, your own decision, uh, you know, far, uh, far more robust. And, and uh, I think people will sometimes get themselves into quite narrow information flows because there's so much information and how you change that up so you have a broad perspective is really important. I think that context is worth 50 IQ points. Yeah. So that's my one piece of advice. Uh, in terms of contact, um, I'm, I'm quite an accessible executive, um, but the easiest way to do that uh, is, is, just, is just hit me up on LinkedIn or, or if you want, you can uh, send me an email at arobinson at skywardinsurance.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thanks. We'll be sure to post your contact details on the show notes of the podcast episode for our listeners to you. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. We enjoyed uh, listening to you, finding out more about your career and, and the great work that you're doing there at Sky. So uh, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed that. Been an absolute pleasure. And to all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you're in the United States or internationally in the UK, Europe, around the world, 
We thank you for listening and I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and great learnings from Andrew. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app and make sure that you download and subscribe to the show to receive each episode directly into your inbox week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffeehouse USA. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffeehouse with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.